0: Hi guys, I'm Dr. Rochelle Haynes and thank you for joining our brand new podcast, Remotely Speaking. This podcast is where we sound off on all things remote work. I'm especially passionate about two things, having a good work experience and traveling the world. So join myself and our experts as we talk about how we can work better remotely, how your business can better enhance remote working and how countries can better attract digital nomads. To find out more about our podcast, follow us on instagram at remotely speaking up stay tuned for more hey guys welcome back to remotely speaking up and believe it or not we are on episode number five who thought we would have gotten here so fast and it's been such a journey As you know, I've been saying it so often in my posts, I'm a first time podcaster and when I started this journey, I never expected to learn so much and it's not even about putting videos together and learning actually about how to podcast, but it's also been from the persons that I've been speaking to, the knowledge that they've shared, my goodness, I feel like I've taken another degree completely, so that's been amazing as well so a lot of our guests were so insightful that i decided at the end of each five episodes at the end of each four episodes sorry on the fifth episode we will have an expert circle and that's where we bring some of our guests back to toss back and forth some of those ideas that they shared during the course of the podcast so our first block has focused on enabling businesses So how can we enable businesses to work better remotely or work more agilely in in what we describe as the future of work? Oops, which is now. So in our expert panel this time around, we will be speaking again to Mr. Jeremy Blaine from Performance International, Performance Works International, sorry Jeremy, to Dwayne Brown, CEO of Verso Labs, Judy Golden, CEO of Art Design Works, And also, we're gonna bring in as a special guest, Kieran Swift, and that's Dr. Kieran Swift, who is a project development consultant with the IDB, the Inter-American Development Bank. So he has a lot of experience in the area of business transformation and how you can really enable businesses to work better and more innovatively. So, just before we jump back over to our guest, I'll just highlight some of the key points that we focused on. From episode one to episode four, I'll highlight one point from each episode. Now, Jeremy's episode, what I was really interested in, was how do companies really embrace a digital culture? And that's what it is. Digital, um, the inclusion of digital tools, really requires a, a mindset shift, a whole business shift. If you think of persons that weren't used to using technology, and all of a sudden they're expected to be in front of a computer and uh, working primarily from a daily if you think about um, persons that might not have been communi- used to communicating or motivating their staff in a particular way and what that requires now of them or for our leaders particularly our HR leaders or like lead managers who are now expected to lead teams remotely that are scattered and dispersed so we wanted to know as well we wanted to know what, what does embracing a digital culture really require and what are some of the best practices there? So Jeremy came to talk to us about that. And one of the things he really stressed and I really agree with was, don't just think digital culture. Don't just think digital transformation. Think whole business transformation. So it's not just about adding to your portfolio of tools. It's not just about using Trello and Asana and Slack and Teams and all of the other things that we've been That'd be brilliant, mind mind you, by the way, but we shouldn't just be including or using tools for the sake of using tools. And we've seen a lot of companies where there's a lot of repetition occurring. You're using, you're including a wide array of tools and they all serve the same function. So where is your economy of scale gone? So it's really thinking more strategically about why you're including some tools and what are the human implications behind adopting. Digital approach. So, in that whole business transformation, what Jeremy really highlighted was the need to focus on your people. The future of work is still very human. We know we've conjured up images in the past of the robots replacing us or us being replaced by um, automation and AI, and yes, there is an element more of that within the workplace, but the future of work is still very human. Humans are still very much needed in order to make the process valuable and relationships are still very important within this context, whether online or offline. So don't think digital transformation, think business transformation. Our next episode was with Dwayne Brown, who's going to be on our panel as well, which we'll jump to in a second and Dwayne, he had a really unique perspective because he works and he is used to managing teams of independent contractors. So, persons who aren't based within the organization, but might work for the organization on a project-by-project basis. So, he was really able to share a unique opinion about how do we manage dispersed teams, but also teams, well, particularly where teams are made up of, let's say, not one person in that team is a full-time employee or fully employed with the organization but everyone within that team who is working for the company is an entrepreneur themselves they have their business and they're fulfilling a project for the company so his perspective is really cool on that and one of the things he highlighted was the need to make sure that you know the value case of the project that you're pursuing and he stressed he was very keen to stress This wasn't just about money or knowing the price of the project, but it was really finding out about the strategic value of the project and where that sat within the organization. Now, if you have had the experience of working on a project basis with companies, if you have had a great experience, kudos to you. But often when you're working in that way, some of the best lessons you learn are from what went wrong. And one of the things that was particularly important in highlighting in that episode was the need to have very clear objectives and designs from the very start and from the get-go. Understanding who's involved in the project, how does the project contribute to other areas of the organisation and or business, and what is the timeline within that project, but also who are the people that are involved and what is their strategic um, value added to that project as well. So once you have that very clear overall vision of where the project sits and its value to the company, and also your role within delivering that to the company, then it makes the journey a lot smoother. The last thing that Duane was very keen to stress, uh, which was particularly important because we found this in our research as well, was the need to recognize all types of workers, especially, independent contractors who are typically not recognized for a lot of their work and that was very true because in when we did our research we did a global study as you know across six regions looking at how the world of work was changing and when we spoke to digital nomads 60 percent of the people that we spoke to said that they were rarely recognized for the outstanding work that they did so if you think of employees who are recognized typically for their daily jobs um, their daily tasks rather um, beyond and this is just your day-to-day versus when you do something really outstanding we have these persons that operate very invisibly to a lot of people within the company and they're performing some very strategic work but persons within the company are not aware of the strategic value that they're adding and they often go unrecognized and that has a lot of implications as well when it comes to let's say future opportunities and retention and future Product, project delivery. Also, let me not forget the main one, motivation. If you want to have a team that is highly motivated, then it's really important that you're showing that you are grateful and that you appreciate the value that they're adding to your team. So thank you, Dwayne, for all of those gems that you shared in that episode. Org Design Works founder Jody Golden also shared another key consideration when we're thinking about enabling remote work. Judy was very keen to stress um, some of the pressure that companies face when it comes to remote working or when it comes to reducing bureaucracy. And a lot of companies, particularly now, Judy stress, are facing this kind of pressure to cut costs. So one of the questions I asked Judy was, well what do you do, what do you say to those employees that are not quite, uh, that they have some concerns with regards to the company reducing layers, they're thinking about job loss and so forth. And Jodie, I like how she handled this question. She threw it back and she said, actually, it's not so much about what the employees think, but let's first look at the goal of the employers who are trying to slash these jobs. Now, Let's question them about that. And often, Jodie was very right. She stressed the fact that when people think about reducing bureaucracy, that is interpreted as reducing costs, when actually reducing bureaucracy is meant to make the organisation healthier, make sure it can better deliver on its strategy and has a better strategic fit, and make sure it can easily respond in when situations change rapidly. On the other hand, a lot of companies simply take reducing bureaucracy to mean slashing jobs. So Jody clarify that for us and she really stressed the fact that when you're stressing when you're slashing jobs or you're going with that mindset what you're actually doing is stripping your company of a lot of key resources which actually won't save you costs in the long run because you're reducing your ability to perform well you're reducing your ability to be innovative and then also think about the impact of other on other employees so thanks Judy brilliant Then we finally had Julie Turney, and Julie is very dear to my heart. Julie is so passionate about HR, I call her an HR superhero. Julie is from HR at heart. And Julie came to talk to us about the need for organizations to really show up in the area of HR. So I should say the need for HR to show up. But Julie was here to talk to us about how we can review positions to make them more agile, and to see if they can work better remotely. And this was, when we, we started quite at the top when we were talking about enabling businesses, in terms of the strategic outlook and objectives in enabling the company to work more digitally. We spoke about our teams, we spoke about organizational redesign. But then Julie was very keen to focus on the individual experience, and looking at each individual job perspective, and how we can consider why jobs are made up the way that they are and what can we do to remove some of the blockers that might be in the way that a job is designed in order to make sure that job can work remotely. And we know that remote working might not be for everyone, but we have seen in many cases, a lot of companies since the lockdown has lifted because we know this entire journey has really been brought to light by COVID-19. What we've seen are a lot of companies trying to push employees back into the office, whether or not they want to go. Um, I was told a particular case where um, this manager, they completely dismissed social distancing and everything and demanded that all 40 of their employees return without having the measures in place. And there was a lot of anxiety and concern on the employee side, but the manager's main goal was just to make sure he could see employees working. And if that's the goal of having employees by the desk, then we really need to rethink our rules and strategies. Because the culture of presenteeism, or this idea of just having bums on seats without actually looking at how effective people are being, actually might be causing your organization a lot more money and making your employees significantly unhappy. So if it is that there is a preference for more remote working, rather than saying no and trying to return to the old normal, We really need to sit down and rethink our job descriptions, our job specifications, rethink the job roles, look at them and examine them very closely and look at how we can remove some potential blockers or existing blockers to more work, whether that's the bureaucracy that Jody mentioned or otherwise. Typically it tends to be mindset. So I'm going to stop here now because I we should really let our panel say a little bit more. So that's just a summary of our first four episodes. And now our panel is gonna throw a few ideas back and forth for 10 minutes or so, and just tell us a bit more about those best practices and what organizations should be thinking about when we talk about enabling businesses for the future. So over to you, panel.
1: Particularly for a younger demographic right so you've got your millennials and, and what's not and um, we've got to remember that a lot of these organizations and we were saying this in our in our previous podcast a lot of these organizations made a significant investment um to attract talent so obviously things are a bit disrupted right now but we've got to remember if you're going to live with this thing um that still needs to be true and there, and and perhaps we haven't worked out a way for to, to attract that, that talent in a in a in a remote virtual way, but 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 to, unfortunately, it's got a lot to do with um, having a sense of community, having a bit of fun at work, having that blend, um, and maybe it's a struggle for some organisations to recreate that um, purely in a in a virtual way. Um, but then at the same time, I do agree though, and um, if you're baked in, if you if you understand how the job works, if you understand, if you're more an experienced hire, um you could perhaps get depending on the vertical again you could perhaps get um, cracking on with, with what you need to do um, in, remotely without without any issue um so you will find that blend for those two reasons um uh i and, and of course i don't like the word no either <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> no, i agree um so i don't know with that sort of like what you just shared there have you also experienced businesses struggling with, let's say, employee engagement and well-being within that setting? Because I know well-being has become a massive issue now since this remote switch, oh, yeah. just because a lot of people are not yeah. used to it, and then we're in a traumatized society as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what do you see in that area as well? Is there an issue there?
1: Well, well okay, so I think to, to answer that question, I think we should, we should cast our minds back to pre-COVID. Okay, so back then, um, not every not every organization was focused on um, ensuring that their, their customer that their that their employees had that balance. Okay, um, if you were on a project, for, exa- for example, at some consulting firms, um, and you know everything wasn't in, if it, everything wasn't okay at home, um, not a lot would have been done for you to roll you off the project or to give you the support that you needed. So. When you add COVID on that, no, and you know, there's there's quite a lot going on for lots of people. Lots of people are having to to make um, big like like moves, you know, as a as a result of of COVID, and um, those those um, you know, that lack of preparation is no mm. like it's it's increasing it in its, in its intensity in 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 in, their, in its intensity. Mm. You see. Yeah. Um, so a lot of organizations are not caught out even more so in, 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 in that regard. Um, yeah. But the companies who've done it well are great because you know they, they understand that they and perhaps they staff two people on projects these days rather than one. Um, and the, and the, the project doesn't necessarily make um, as much of a profit as it would have made in, under normal circumstances, but at least you know if someone needs to roll off, then there's always cover for that person. Those types of small changes. Mm. Um, make it easier for everyone to just, you know, just continue as normal, even though when things around them aren't necessarily normal.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Kieran, you mentioned with regards to the public sector, do you find, like, given a lot of what Dwayne is saying about well-being and that shift and how quick we are to adopt and adjust to that shift, often when people speak about the public sector, the public sector are slower in adopting um, certain technologies and in adopting certain, there tend to be more, trad- cling to more traditional practices. Do you see it well being within this environment and with that shift to more digital and remote working? Do you see it more as a problem
2: within the public sector? Um, I would say, you know, similar to what Dwayne was saying. And, you know, if you, if you even look before COVID, much less now, it, it wasn't so much that it's a problem. It wasn't even a concept. Wasn't even part of, of, the, milieu, part of the mix of, of what was being considered. So, sure. I'll give a specific example. Right now, um, I have to choose members carefully. We have a project in a Caribbean country where we're trying to have them transform and, and introduce uh, not just new technology, but a new way of working to the way that they issue permits, right? The form yeah. permits. And separate from the technology challenges and the change management challenges, um, we were speaking to some of the leaders and they're pointing out to us that they you know, there are difficulties even with dealing with some of the basics, I mean, around health and safety of, of the physical premises where people operate, or having sufficiently you know, vehicles to uh, for staff, technical staff to go out and do the various inspections that they have to do. So, you know, it's, it's like you know, going all the way back to like Maslow's hierarchy, the basic level needs in some
0: yeah.
2: public sector organizations aren't being catered to me you know fully or appropriately much less the higher order needs of things like wellness and balance and ensuring yeah. people are, are generally you know okay uh, and then much less when you you compound and as you're saying um, in this overall uh, uh, pandemic and and in yeah in this pandemic <laughs> uh and the, the the crisis created by that
0: yeah yeah i, I agree with a lot of that um it's, it's definitely, this. people say COVID has been an accelerator of um, remote work. I think COVID has been an accelerator of everything. <laughs> remote work, <laughs> um, challenging, um, bringing mental health to before, bringing being to before. Everything now is accelerated and enhanced because of the current situation, including um, what some of you mentioned before, with if you had a toxic organizational culture and things that existed there before, switched to digital, they also, within the context, becomes enhanced. What do you think, Jeremy, with regards to organizations in this process trying to make sure that they're, let's put it, getting it right? How can we, how do you think we can really better equip leaders and managers to, to take care of some of those worries and to make sure they can thrive in a disruptive business environment?
3: Well, some leaders and managers that I know need to go to the school of unlearning if i could frame it that way uh because the old school way of doing things doesn't work anymore yeah we need to rethink what leadership looks like for this decade and beyond um and i'm doing a piece of research now and have some initial um initial data from it around what are the emerging leadership traits that are most needed moving forward some are not surprising of course However, we did interview both leadership and management level, but also employees and individual contributors, both permanent and um, independent workers, interestingly enough. And what I see actually is probably one of the biggest issues to overcome first is the mismatch between expectations of both. Yeah. So, for example, you were talking before around wellness and mental health. Uh, When we asked about uh, what are the traits uh, most suited to leaders moving forward, if you kind of put their business to one side and assume that the business is going forward, mental health was trumping things like salary, career pathing, which were usually top of the list. Yeah. So from an employee perspective, it's flipped now. But asking the same question to leaders, it's the same things: it's direction, it's business, it's purpose. Da-da. Now, some of that is overlapping, but not all of it. So, for example, another one, another two that were on top of the list for uh, employees were: give me more empowerment and and room to experiment because I can help, I can contribute at my level, and I want to. Mm-hmm. So, people, you know, people are more willing now, and I think they're learning this through through this remote working. They are when they're more empowered and they're motivated because not as, as you were saying before, Dwayne, of course, not everybody is, of course. Um, but when they're motivated, they can do do a lot more, start contributing there because leaders, I feel, have a huge task to do right now. And for me, I don't think they can do it alone. Yeah. Um, so doing that with a little bit more empathy, a little bit more human center behind it to bring people along and to share a, a more collective approach to leadership could work for some organizations but that's certainly some of the interesting things coming out of that that mismatch i think has to yeah. you know there has to be a coming together and a bit of a dialogue in in many organizations with everybody involved
0: yeah exactly and even even that is it's amazing to see like given your research that that's coming out i remember um in similar projects the same 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 thing kept being highlighted over and over there's a mismatch but why isn't that mismatch being addressed we're, we're highlighting it but we're not doing anything about it but now we're forced to if we want to be successful um jody i saw you nodding to jeremy vigorously
4: yeah. <laughs> so well, what do you think i'd love to add to this i i love the the research that you're doing jeremy and um and i I also am really lucky to work with and to know a lot of leaders who are very inspiring and super supportive and and really, you know, I think um, a lot of leaders that I know in big companies are so busy and under pressure because everything is coming to them for approval. They have to do a lot of reporting of indicators and finances and they're in meetings to align with other departments and other functions and everyone wants them to keep everyone informed of everything. So in other words, they're spending a lot of time navigating bureaucracy and hierarchy. And they're saying, well, we don't have time. We don't have enough time to engage and support our teams even when we can see that that we need to. And um, So I think we can equip leaders first by reducing unnecessary bureaucracy and hierarchy. So then they have the capacity to focus on enabling people to be successful, right? So so I feel like this, I'm always optimistic, right? There's lots of yeah. hope um, yeah. and there's lots of ways that we can help um, by really, you know, helping the system to be a better place for them to work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I really like your positive <laughs>
4: enthusiasm, yes, um, Jodie
0: i'll throw the last question because we're going to wrap up in a minute i'll throw the last question over to kieran and and just kind of building on what the others have said what do you recommend leaders do when it comes to um, like jeremy said empowering employees how can leaders really start to empower employees um jody mentioned the reduction of bureaucracy as well but what else do you think that can be done especially in the public sector to empower employees to to act on On the organization's
2: behalf or feel like they can act on the organization's behalf sure um i suppose i could i could generalize that response to uh, Mm a basic sort of three-step process so the first would be uh because but drawing on something that jeremy said uh it's not no one size approach is going to fit all organizations you need Mm -hmm. to understand your organization very well so the first step would be really assessing culture the climate assessing uh the type of people that you have assessing yourself as a leader your own competencies and, and, and places where there are gaps so having that assessment first then experimenting um basically it's, you know setting up different uh techniques different approaches and you know to go back to something that Dwayne said earlier not uh doing so uh intentionally so in, in other words not just Casting it all in, in the overall brush of all this, all COVID nineteen related, all thrust into this, but yeah. being intentional, you know, about we're going to try something out, and we're going to set up the, the the conditions for it, and give it the best shot. And then the third point, I mean, we've, we've talked a lot in this in this call about um, learning, and it's something we missed the, the opportunities to learn. But you can't learn if you don't actually reflect, if you don't mm. take the time to, you know, whether you use it in post mortems or whatever, but take the time to actually sit down organizationally um, driven by the leader and reflect on the experience, reflect on that experiment, document what, what worked, what didn't work, try to understand, you know, the second and third order reasons for why those things worked or didn't work, uh, and then break that learning into the, the bigger organizational fold. So to assess, test, try something, new experiment, and then reflect and, and, and consolidate. Them. Yeah, I like that. It
0: reminds me a bit of the lean approach where you try something, you test it, you see the response to it, then you build on that, you try again, and you keep going in that sort of um, search for loop. And there's a really good leadership quote that says, look back to move forward. And that's exactly what you described there in terms of that reflective process. Um, So guys, you have shared so much here. We are just out of time. But thank you so much for everything that you shared. You've given us some really diverse opinions with regards to how organizations can move forward um, in this new COVID world. But I also like the fact that you you generalize it beyond COVID because this isn't just about COVID, this is change that has been needed for a while. It's just now, as a friend of mine put it, we've been slapped in the face <laughs> uh, with COVID and forced now to, to make these sorts of um, changes. So you've really given a lot of guidance on how organizations can do that with regards to mindset shifts and empowering employees and also rethinking leadership. So thank you so much for joining us on Remotely Speaking Up for this episode five and our very first fireside chat so you are all honorary guests for life (laughs) because (laughs) you've been our first um fireside guest so thank you so much for your time and thank you to all of our listeners this has been another episode of remotely speaking up take care for now I hope you enjoyed our podcast series. To find out more, follow us at Remotely Speaking Up on Instagram or go to www.crowdpotential.co.uk for our services. Until next time.